golf on Thanksgiving morning. Mm. <laughs> I just played so-so. So that's okay. Well, if you would join me as we start, uh, we stand, if you will, as we begin our worship service. We'll begin with prayer. Father, we are ever so grateful. We cannot uh, really fathom all we have in Christ. Um, it's beyond our comprehension. Your love for us the debt that was paid for our sins, um, and even today, the watch care, the love, the, the blessings that uh, the Bible says you lavish on us because you love us. This week, we stopped on one particular day, our whole country, to be thankful. I don't know if they were all thankful to you, but I know I was. And um, I just pray that you would help our nation, that we would become a thankful nation. We would it'd be a nation that turns back to you, recognizing that we are one nation under God, that the only reason we are the great nation we are today is because of your hand on us, your blessing, our commitment to being a nation that fears you and allows everyone to worship you freely and openly. So for us to be that again, to be the way we should be, we pray whatever that takes that you would do that to help us to become a thankful nation, a nation who worships you and gives our lives to you. We pray for this morning as we sing your praises, as we testify to each other of all we have in you and we hear your word, that you would grant all of us your grace and mercy, that you would use everything that's done to make us love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I'm going to start with a great hymn of recognition. Um, our sermon this morning is on the resume of Jesus and all the things that he has done in his life and is doing even now in heaven and will one day do again. One of those things is that he's going to be a king and we need to rejoice that he is that king. He is the king of creation. He is the king of all the universe right now and one day he will come back and be the very king literally of this world. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had purged our stains, he took his seat above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. 
His kingdom cannot fail. He rules our earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus kill. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again. I say rejoice, rejoice in glorious hope. Our Lord the judge shall come. And take his servants up to their eternal home. We soon shall hear the archangel's voice, the trump of God shall sound rejoice. We soon shall hear. The archangel's voice, the trump of God, shall sound rejoice. That's going to be pretty wild, isn't it, when we hear an angel's voice so loud that the whole earth can hear it? (laughs) Boom, you're gone. All right. Grace that is greater than all our sin, the grace that Jesus Christ offers us, the mercy. Um, His sacrifice was sufficient for paying for every sin that we will ever commit. And his grace to us now, the the, uh, power that he gives us to live for him is greater than any sin that we could have. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Grace. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within is greater than all our sin. Sin and despair like the sea waves cold threaten the soul with infinite loss. Grace that is greater, yes, grace untold points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. 
Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous in matchless grace freely bestowed on all who believes you that are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace grace God's grace grace that is greater than all our sin and you may be seated Paul reminds us in the book of Colossians that we are raised with Christ and uh, we are supposed to be like Him. Our desire should be that we seek the things that are above. It's easy to get caught up in this world and the things that are around us. We see them, we touch them, we feel them, we smell them. But the spiritual things we can't see, we can't touch. And yet we are commanded, offered the ability to set up things in heaven, to give our treasures there where one day we'll be able to enjoy them and touch them and feel them and know that we are His. So if you're raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. If you then be raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is alive appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. If you then be raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is for life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth. If you then be raised with Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died in your life hidden with Christ in God, for you die in your life, is hidden with Christ in God. It's a beautiful song to me about um, one of the things that Christ is doing now is sitting at the right hand of God uh, as an intercessor for us, as a, an advocate for us. And this song so beautifully states, I always get kind of choked up when I'm singing the last part, that when I, I look, when, when, when Satan is telling me, you're just no good, you, you have too much sin, God can't possibly love you, I can look and see Jesus standing there the one who put an end to all my sin before the throne of God above. Before the throne of God above I have a strong and perfect for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied To look on Him and pardon me To look on Him and pardon me Behold Him there, the risen Lamb 
Thy perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. When with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my Before uh, we have reading and uh, teaching of God's Word, Jesus paid it all. The Bible says that. Don't you know you're bought with a price? Therefore, you've got to give your body to Jesus Christ. We have to be that sacrifice that puts itself on the altar for Him because Jesus paid it all and all to Him. I owe. Uh, Sin had 
left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow And when before the throne I stand in Him complete Jesus died my soul to save My lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as Good morning. Uh, today's reading is in the first, excuse me, the third chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning in the ninth verse. Feel free to read along in a uh, Bible you brought yourself or one in the pews or just be blessed by listening. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven the Son of Man, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so much the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believe, believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his own deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes into the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Father God, thank you that... Uh, that you did come down to earth to die on a cross, that as, as the hymn we sang, Jesus, that you paid it all. I am thankful that, that, that as the Apostle Paul says, that, that those in Christ are new creations. I'm not a better person. I'm not an improved person. I and, and those who have also trusted in Christ are different and changed people. 
because of your Holy Spirit's work in us. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that your message will, will go out to those who are still living in darkness, who, who fear the light because of, of, of shame or guilt. They do not want their, their evil deeds to be revealed. And I pray that one day that they will, they will repent and turn to you for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to worship you in music, in the reading of the word, and the preaching of the same. Uh, thank you, Lord, for our pastor who loves you, loves your word, and loves us. I pray that I pray that you'd put in Steve Altman's heart what you would have him uh, teach us today. And Lord, have us ears to hear, and let us take to heart what we, uh, what we hear today. In your name we pray. Amen. Hardly seems fair when uh, Bruce and Steve Phelps teach. It's Steve's always gone somewhere. So he came today and he brought his whole family. They all have, they got scorecards down here. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. A little, little uh, intimidating or trying anyway. So a couple of weeks ago we started a sermon uh, or a teaching on the resume of Jesus which looking at his life and the things that he did here on earth while he was here, I thought at the time that I could get the whole resume in in one sermon, but there's too much to go. So we only started the first half of it. We looked at Jesus as being, before time began, the creator of the world. Hebrews 1-2 says, In these last days God spoke to us in Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the world. So Jesus was there and created all that we see. Not only that, uh, we talked about him being the nuclear glue that holds the world together, everything spinning in amazing speed and uh, still not flying apart. It says that he's the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. Uh, Jesus was the director of history from Adam all the way until he was born, every Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Rahab, David, all the way down until it got to where it says in the fullness of time, God sent his son. It was the perfect time. Jesus directed all of history just for that. Then when he was on earth, he was a carpenter for probably uh, a good portion of his youth and even into his young adulthood. He was a rabbi, the greatest teacher who this world has ever seen, a healer who healed every disease that man had had at that time, including death, raising three different people that we know of that are written about. He was a prophet sharing every word that God wanted him to share. When he prayed in the, in the garden, he said, everything you wanted me to tell him, I told him exactly the way you wanted it prophesying also of what was to come in the future. Part of that we'll talk about today in his resume. And he was the Messiah. He was called Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. They were looking for a king that would rule in a, a regal manner and overthrow all their enemies. Instead, he was the suffering Savior who would die for all of our sins to redeem us. And most people's resume would stop when they die. Okay, that's it. You finished. Then comes the obit. 
But for Jesus Christ, God raised him from the dead, and his resume just started the second chapter. So that's what we're going to start today, where Jesus was raised, and it says that he is at the right hand of God the Father. He ascended from the mount with all the angels watching and all of his disciples and began his ministry in heaven today. So I had a few things that Jesus is accomplishing now, according to the scriptures. First of all, he's a high priest. Uh, In the Old Testament, the priests were the mediators between the people and God. The people would come and they would bring their offerings. They would bring their sin sacrifices and the priest would offer those. He would offer comfort to those who were hurting and sick and going through trials. He would bring those who were astray back and leading them, understanding the word of God so that they would come back to God. And that's what Jesus Christ is accomplishing in heaven today for us. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Seeing we have a high priest who has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That kind of in a nutshell describes the ministry that Jesus has today as a high priest. Now, In the Old Testament, they had priests, and they had a high priest. The high priest, once a year, by lot, they would choose one of the priests who would actually go into the very holy of holies in the temple. He was the only one who could ever go there one time a year to take the blood from the sin sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. One time a year, one man. But every year it was done because the sins were not taken away. It says the bloods of bulls and goats could not take away sin. But Jesus Christ made one sacrifice for sin forever. So at his ascension, or probably after his death on the cross, it says Jesus went to heaven and he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat to forever cover for every sin of anyone who would accept him as their savior the one great high priest, and then he sat down. If if you ever read the furniture that's in the the temple and in the um, well, no, the the tent that they made, the tent of meeting, tabernacle. There you go. I knew we could do it. They got the preacher's row up here. I just looked down. They'll, They'll mouth the words to me. So one piece of furniture never find in there. You know what it is? A chair. You know why? The work was never done. They were constantly putting new loaves in, trimming the wicks. Nobody could ever sit down because the work was never done. Jesus went to heaven and he sat down. It is finished. The work was done. Our great high priest. So, in, he is the one mediator between God and man. Sacrifice for sin, it says in Hebrews 10, 12, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. The mediator of the 
Jews, their priests, could not answer prayers. They could bring prayers on behalf of the people, but it wasn't their job to do any answering or give anything that, that they asked for. You think of um, Hannah. She came to the temple to pray because she didn't have a child, and she just sitting there weeping and, and mouthing a prayer. And Eli came and wanted to know what her prayer was and pray for her. And they did those kind of things. Jesus Christ also prays for us. He answers our prayers. John fourteen thirteen says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Dozens of verses in the New Testament, especially in the book of John, where Jesus says, Just ask, and I'll answer your prayer. He said, like your earthly father, if you ask him for an egg, he's not going to give you a scorpion. If you ask for fish, he's not going to give you a snake. I'm going to give you what you need. Not what you greed, not what you necessarily, everything you ask for. God, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says something else than what we think we want. But he always knows best and always answers correctly. Uh, comfort. The, the priest would, as our pastors today, are comfort of their people when, when they're going through struggles, when they're struggling with a, a pain, an anguish, a sin that they feel. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. No one can comfort us like Jesus Christ. Those priests, it said, couldn't comfort the people because they had sin in their own lives. They couldn't fully give what they needed, but Jesus Christ was perfect. And those, those priests, some of them probably didn't go through the same things that all of those people who were seeking solace from them were. But it says of Jesus, did you catch that when I read it a while ago? He was tempted in every point as we are, yet without sin. You can't come to Jesus and say, you don't understand what I'm going through. Because he does. He suffered things you have no idea of. But everything that we've been tempted with, Jesus was tempted when he was here on earth and understands and can comfort us. And he encourages holiness. The uh, priests were to try and keep the people to be holy, to offer the, the offerings and sacrifices they should and to live for God. Jesus said in John 17, 3, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. His whole purpose in here on earth was for people to know God. He brought every word God wanted to bring. When they wanted to know what God looked like, what love in the flesh looked like, says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus Christ was the perfect high priest, and he is today in heaven for us. Number two, He's the shepherd for us. I want to read Psalm 23 is the perfect description of what a shepherd is. And I guess uh, you could say previewing what Jesus Christ would be as he was our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. 
Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the kind of shepherd we have. In the Old Testament, the shepherds knew every sheep, and they would say their names, and they would come because they knew their shepherd's voice. And he led them where they were supposed to go. He protected them. So Jesus is the same as all of these that has been listed here. He's our provider. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. We already talked about his answering of our prayers and providing for every need we have. He was our protector. John 17, 11. This is what Jesus prayed for us in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating great drops of blood. We were on his heart. Now I'm no longer in the world, but they're in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me. When Peter was fixing to face a lot of things, Jesus said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But he says, I'm praying for you. So God, the Father, hears the prayers of Jesus Christ every day for us on our behalf. He's given his spirit in us to pray in ways that we can't even understand and needs that we don't even know we have. He's our guide. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. Jesus didn't say, take my yoke and you're on your own. He's our yoke fellow. A yoke was for two animals to work together. And Jesus Christ is there with us every step of our life, every step of our way, guiding us. He's given his spirit to us to show us the way that he desires us to go, to lead us and guide us in his word. And lastly, he disciplined. I mentioned this Wednesday night that I was teaching not too long ago. In the Old Testament, the shepherds, if they had a sheep that was real stubborn and would wander off and get in trouble all the time and get in danger of wolves or lions or whatever, they would break its leg and then set it. And that little sheep says, oh, man, <laughs> I better stay over here. I'm scared. I can't take care of myself anymore. I'm worried. And God disciplines us when we start to get away from him. He will discipline us. Hebrews 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. Don't think you can just wander away from God and he doesn't care that he's not going to do something about it. He's a discipliner. Jesus Christ is our shepherd, and he doesn't want us to end up in the jaws of Satan, the lion. He wants to protect us. Number three, Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the body, his church. Three things that I see he does in that. First of all, he gives direction. Ephesians 4.13, he says, Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. He gives his uh, gifts to the different people in the church to help us as Christians to grow, to feed ourselves and become mature believers in Jesus Christ who can live the way that God desires us to do. Secondly, he gives us his spirit. As soon as you become a Christian, God puts his spirit in you. He is there leading and guiding us. He prays for us. He tells us when we're wrong, when we need to come back to God. He is a down payment that your redemption is still to be finished. 
He gives us his spirit. And third, he gives gifts. In Ephesians 4.18, it says, When he had ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. I don't know what your gift is. God gives different gifts to each one of us in the church. The church needs all the gifts that he gives to work together. And I love the description that he gives in, in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about you can't have a whole church that's made up of nothing but eyeballs or ears or fingers. It just won't work. Imagine a football team, you've got 11 quarterbacks. Not going to work. You've got to have everybody doing their part, everybody using the gift that God gives them. That's part of what Jesus Christ is doing now as head of the church in, in heaven. Number four, he's an advocate for us. That's a legal term. It's somebody who stands up for you in court and represents you. Uh, when you get arrested, I've never been, but I know they always tell you if you can't afford a lawyer, one will be appointed for you. Somebody that will help you, knows the legal system, can be on your behalf and help you. So 1 John 2.1 says, If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You want to know why we need an advocate? Well, Revelation 12.10 says, when Satan is cast out of heaven, for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God night and day has been cast down. It's one of Satan's names is the accuser. He has nothing better to do than go all the time and say, did you see what Steve did? Did you see what he did? That's the 50,000th time he did that. Let's do something about it. Just get rid of him. He's no good. And Jesus Christ, my advocate, says that sin's been paid for. Number five, he's our bridegroom. You say, what kind of job is that? Wait a second, he's a bridegroom. Well, in the Old Testament, the bridegroom got everything ready for the, for the wedding. It wasn't the wife. That's today. Y'all got it all now. It's all your big shindig, you know, the fan, woo, fancy $50,000 weddings, okay? In the Old Testament, the, the bridegroom would go, and first he would build the house that they were going to live in. Sometimes it would be adding on to his father's house or compound, sometimes a house of their own. And then when that was done, he would make all the preparations for the wedding feast, and then he would come and get the bride and they'd be married. That's what Jesus is doing in heaven, right? John 14, 2 and 3, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself. He's the bridegroom. He's making my house, getting it ready. Every time somebody gets saved, he's got to build another room in the eternal kingdom of Jerusalem is coming down. And the marriage supper, ooh, did you know that? we got a big supper coming. We're going to have every Christian together for one giant marriage supper of the Lamb. How big that table's going to be, I cannot imagine, but we're all going to be there. In uh, Revelation 19.7, it says, Let's be glad and rejoice and give glory, for the marriage, of the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. I don't know when it's going to be and, and, and all the things that are going on in heaven, but we're going to stop, and the whole bride's going to get together, and we're going to be part of that marriage supper of the Lamb. And I promise you it's going to be the greatest wedding that's ever been made or anywhere in the world. We're going to be a part of that. We'll be the bride adorned for our bridegroom. And number six, okay, we better turn this off because if it gets over the air, we might be in trouble here. He is our master, and you are his slave. 
Ooh, wait a second. Man, this is the 21st century, buddy. You can't use terms like that. I got news for you. Whether you like it or not, he is your master, and you are his slave. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with all that you have. In the Old Testament, they, there's different kinds of slaves. They used to have what they call a bond servant. And if a slave was indentured because he owed money and he worked out all the money, at that point he had the choice to go free or he could work for that master for the rest of his life if he wanted to. And he would put his, do- his ear against the door and they'd punch a hole in his ear <laughs> to show that he wanted to be the slave to that master. That's every one of us. We're bond servants. We make ourselves slave to Jesus Christ. He's the master. He determines what he wants us to do. Luke 19, 13, it says that he gave talents to all the different servants that were there. And his last phrase was, do business till I come back. He's the master. He gives you some talents. He says, go use them. Make, make things in the kingdom for me. Use them for me. Secondly, as master, he's calculating rewards. I like that. You don't usually hear that. Masters aren't usually calculating rewards for their slaves. But Jesus Christ is looking at everything we do, seeing every thought in our head, every purpose in our heart, and determining what kind of reward we're going to get for that. And one day, we will get that reward. In the meantime, he sees every purpose every reason you do things, I can get up here and if I get through singing all these hymns and then I start taking bows, poof, it's all gone. (laughs) If I'm doing it for me, it's a waste of time. If I'm doing it for him, then it gains rewards in heaven. So our heart, our attitude has to always be for his honor and his glory, not for ours. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Jesus, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Some of them are going to burn up. Some of them are going to be gold, precious stones. But we will all be rewarded for the things that we do for Jesus Christ here on earth. That's unbelievable. That's what kind of master we serve. Now, Jesus is the only one who can write his future resume. (laughs) Think about that. He's already written everything he's going to do in the future, and it's going to happen. These are all the jobs I'm going to accomplish after the rapture. And he's already laid them all out. And I promise you each one of them will come true. Number one, he's going to be the rescuer, redeemer. The Bible tells us that one day the trumpet's going to sound, the archangel's going to scream out, Jesus is going to come down, and all the dead in Christ will rise. We who are alive and remain will jump up together with him in the sky and be with him forever. That finishes your redemption. That finishes it. Right now, you got the Holy Spirit in you, I said a while ago, as a token, a guarantee that God's going to finish the work. And he will. One day he's going to be not just redeeming us from our sin, redeeming us from this world and all of that. So you have justification. He takes away your sin. 
Right now we got the process of sanctification. We're being made like Jesus. One day it's glorification. We'll be like him, made forever, holy and righteous, the rescuer, redeemer. Then he's going to be the rewarder. We just talked about that. Now comes whatever it is that we're going to get. Whether he, going to, he says that he may make some of us rulers here on earth over cities. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind just being the garbage guy in heaven. I don't care what the job is. I'll be happy, whatever it is he wants me to do. But God has rewards for us that are going to be real then. Right now he's just calculating. But one day he's going to be that rewarder. He's going to put them in our hands. 1 Corinthians three twelve to 14 says, If any man builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each man's work of what sort it is, If any man's work which he has built on it endures, he shall receive a reward. There's no faking this. When you get there, you'll get exactly all the rewards you deserve. Jesus has seen everything we've done in our lives. He knows every heart, every thought. He will reward us according to what we deserve. Not what we deserve. (laughs) According to what we don't deserve, but according to what he wants to graciously give us and bless us with. Number two, in the future, Jesus will be the avenger. That's not like the movie. This is real. And it's not going to be a pretty sight for those who are being avenged upon. Uh, He is going to be the one who brings the wrath of God upon his enemies. It's a very sober time. Remember, as you have the book of Revelation, and God is fixing to start judge the world, and he pulls out this scroll And everybody in heaven is kind of weeping. What are we going to do? Nobody's worthy to open this scroll and start the vengeance that God deserves to put on this earth. And they said, wait. The Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God is here. And Jesus could open that scroll and he could begin to place the vengeance of God on this earth. It's given to him. Revelation 6, 16 and 17 says, you got all these people who are hiding in the caves and the rocks and trying to hide from God. It says, he said to the mount- they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? The Bible says that God has given all judgment into Jesus' hands. And he's going to be the one who's going to be wreaking judgment on this earth. The bowls, the trumpets, the horrible things that is going to come on this earth, those are for the people who shake their fist at God and said, you won't tell us what to do. And Jesus is not worthy of my praise or my adoration. I don't want what you've got. And those people are going to feel the wrath of God. We can't even imagine the horror of what that's going to be like. And it ends with Jesus Christ coming back to this earth, his feet touching down on the Mount of Olives. And Armageddon, the the rock splits into a giant valley, and it says 
He's going to destroy them with the brightness of his coming, with the sword coming out of his mouth. The blood is going to be as deep as a horse's bridle as he wreaks his vengeance and he says to the buzzards and the eagles, come down, the feast is here. These are the ones who refuse to accept me. And that judgment is going to come on those people. And that's not even the worst judgment for them. That's just the first of this earth. Third, he's going to be, or is that four? Maybe it's four. He's going to be the king ruling and reigning over this earth for a thousand years, unlike any king has ever lived before. We've always had kings who were somewhat just. They didn't know people's hearts. They couldn't just totally. You could bring them before the king and the guy could lie and say, I did this. They're not going to come before Jesus and have any excuses, any lies. Justice is going to be meted out perfectly. Righteousness. Jesus Christ is the king of peace, the king of righteousness. And he's going to bring that kind of reign to this earth. Revelation 24 says, And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That's us. For a thousand years, he's going to be the ruler on this earth. And every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's going to be an amazing time to live on this earth. The curse is going to be lifted, be a great earth again. And at the end of that, it's hard to believe, but Satan's going to actually round up a bunch of people who don't like the way the world's running and try and bring them against Christ, and they'll be destroyed, Gog and Magog, with just a fire coming down from heaven. But what a time that'll be, and what a world it will be. Matthew twenty-five thirty-one says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. In Jerusalem, he will sit as king over the world and will be his subjects. And everybody will want to come to Jerusalem and see that and be a part of that. Finally, the last thing he says on his resume is he's going to be a judge. Final judgment this time. Not just the avenger, this is the final judgment of everyone's life. Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. The books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works." Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Anyone in this world that thinks they're going to come to this judgment and God's going to open these books 
and God's going to find enough things to let them into heaven in those books. There's enough good to outweigh the bad. It's so mistaken. It's going to be, I'm sure it'll break Jesus' heart because he's loved the world enough to die for everyone to have to send anyone to hell. But if their name's not written there, they've condemned themselves to hell. But when he opens that book, my name's in there. (laughs) My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I trust everyone here has as well. You've recognized that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins. We'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You read John 3.16. God loved the world so much he gave his Son. Whoever believes will have eternal life. None of us have to be at this judgment seat. Only those who choose. Be too late then. There's no more choices. Just judgment. That's an amazing resume. And I just touched it. I mean, there's so many things that I haven't thought of that are written in this book. (laughs) I read the first week. If they wrote all the things that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain all the books. He has created this world. He's come to it. He's died for it. He's now in, in heaven on our behalf as our advocate, our shepherd, our master. And one day we're looking forward to the rewards. Everyone who loves his appearing gets a crown. So we want to love his appearing. We want to hasten it. We want to desire for Jesus to come back. Take us home where we can come back to this earth, reign with him, and then see his new heaven come down and live forever and ever and ever with him. That's the Savior we serve. Let's pray. Father, we, you are beyond comprehension. Jesus Christ, we could sit here and praise you for a billion years and it would not be enough for all you've done. We can't grasp your love for us, what you accomplished for us. It's, we can't even get our eyes off this earth to look up and see all you are doing right now for us. And our hearts are not longing for you the way they're supposed to be. At least mine isn't. I know that I don't desire to live for you the way you want me to every day, that I'm not sick of this world enough. I still see too many things here that my heart desires and is pulled towards when I should be caring about nothing but you and your coming back and the treasures that I can lay up there. That's what we desire, that you would change and make that heart in us that we would be devoted to you in that way. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Morning, everyone. So uh, we'll start out with uh, thanking 
those that were able to come out yesterday and help with the Christmas decorations. If you uh, enjoy decorations, uh, uh, please thank Bethel also. They did the majority of the direct de decorations actually, so give a thank you to them as you see those folks today. And activity-wise, this week we've got a Bible study Wednesday, men's meeting on Friday, men, so if you're available Friday, and then Sunday will be a Matthew meal. So that's an uh, unusual time of the month, so I want to really point that out to you. Um, so next Sunday, uh, pull out all the stops as far as what you bring, special dishes, because we won't have another Matthew meal in December. This is our combined November-December Matthew meal. So um, if you're able to stick around, make a special dish, and enjoy lunch next Sunday. And uh, keep that in mind. And then also wanted to mention uh, the Deacons Fund. I haven't mentioned that in a while. Uh, we do, as a church, uh, give money to a Deacons Fund occasionally to where if someone in the congregation especially has a, a need financially, that we can help each other out as a church, whether it's with an electric bill or what have you. So if you have extra funds, um, feel free to mark that on a check or on an envelope just so we know to designate that for the deacon's fund. So you can do that at any time of the year, but I just want to point that out as, as you're giving um, uh, at the end of the year here. And now we have our last songs. And as far as offering, you've got the box on the back table. You can give online or mail it into the church. Thank you. I invite you to stand for our last couple of songs. I was reminded this morning that this is uh, Marsha's, one of her favorite songs she wants sung at her funeral, so sing this like you're singing at Marsha's funeral, with the, with the enthusiasm that goes with that. Tommy said it's his favorite too, so apparently a lot of people like this one. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway clouds will overspread the sky but when traveling days are over not a shadow not a star when we all, when we all get to heaven what a day Rejoicing that will be when we all 
sweet Jesus will sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory will the joys of life repay. When we all get together, what a day of rejoicing that will be. chapter 19 put to music Jesus Christ coming back King of Kings and Lord of Lords and I saw heaven open and behold the white and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and wages war judges and wages war and his eyes are a flame of fire and upon his head are many crowns and he has a name written upon him which no one knows except himself and he's clothed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies which are in
and from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may smite the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty and he's clothed the robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God and on his robe and on his side he has a name And on his side, he has a name written, Lord of Lords and King of Kings and Lord. is from Revelation chapter 19, which is between the rescuer and redeemer theme of when we all get to heaven, and between that last song, the Revelation 19 song of the Avenger theme, we read there, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And finally, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Amen. Amen. Amen.